Introduction of The Bridge of History Over the Gulf of Time by Thomas Cooper. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Introduction There seems to be one question which everyone has a right to ask the man who says that Christianity is not true. And the question is this If Christianity be not true, where did it come from? How came it into the world? You say Christianity is not true. Then what is it if it be not true? What is its origin? How comes it to be here in this land and in other lands at this present time? The question that we ask is not a frivolous, light one. This Christianity is understood to be the professed religion of 335 millions of the human race now dwelling on this globe. They are not savages. They are not nations bearing a stereotyped resemblance of civilization. They are the noblest peoples on the face of the earth, the nations that have the highest science, arts, power, and culture ever yet attained by man. How comes it that these nations profess the Christian religion? And how came Christianity into the world? Where did it come from? As we asked at first. There are but two theories that can make any pretensions to be considered formidable which have been put forth to answer this question. The old theory, so well known as the Sun Theory, and the latter one, which has been called the Mythical Theory. Let us look at the older theory first. The Sun Theory is understood to owe its fatherhood as a complete hypothesis to the notable Sir William Drummond, who presented it to the restricted circle of critical inquirers in his Oedipus Judaicus. Godfrey Higgins, of Skello Grange near Doncaster, labored more than twenty years, he assures us, in the compilation of a huge quarto book entitled The Anaclipsis. In this book, which is one of the strangest collections of strange learning ever written, the Sun Theory is also maintained, but, like the work of Sir William Drummond, the Anaclipsis is only known to the small circle of readers who make eager search for everything that is curious. Perhaps the books of Dupius and Volney, the French supporters of the Sun Theory, are more widely known. Indeed, The Ruins of Empires by Volney is known to thousands by a common English translation. But the Sun Theory owes its real popularity in our own country to the Reverend Robert Taylor, as he usually styled himself. He was educated at one of the universities, and ordained for a clergyman, but, becoming skeptical, threw up his curacy and ventured on London as a free-thinking teacher. In the years 1824-34 to 34, he taught publicly in that capacity in the Rotunda, a well-known room at that time on the south side of Blackfriars Bridge and in other public places in the metropolis. He also published a book entitled The Digesis, an Explanation and Defense of the Sun Theory. And what is this theory, say you? It is this, that no real human person called Jesus of Nazareth ever existed, that Christ only represents the Son, like the Krishna of the Hindus, or the Osiris of the Egyptians, the Mithras of the Persians, the Phoebus Apollo of the Greeks, and the sun-god whom our Anglo-Saxon forefathers worshipped on Sunday. Jesus Christ is simply a personification of the sun, and never had any real human existence. And what is called Christianity is only the old fable of the sun in a new form. The story so often repeated in the mythologies of ancient nations has, at length, taken this new guise of Christianity, which, in a word, is only paganism slightly altered. And what are the proofs, say you? given of the truth of this theory by Taylor and his predecessors. There are no proofs. 
they were never attempted. What? Are there no alleged facts on which this theory rests? No, only fancies. Not facts, but fancies, such as these. This Jesus of Nazareth is related to have had twelve apostles, and is said that he went in and out among them. That is, only the sun going in and out among the twelve signs of the zodiac, and bringing the twelve calendar months in their turn. This Jesus of Nazareth is related to have died and risen again. That is only the sun setting and rising again. The divine child is said to have been born at Christmas-tide, when the sun has run his yearly course and days are shortest. That is the sun who may be said to be born again on the shortest day. Fancies, you know, have often taken as strong hold of the human mind as facts, and so we are not entitled to despise these fancies. We must proceed to rigid historical inquiry for ourselves. We must ascertain whether it be an historical fact that there has been such a real human person living in this world as Jesus of Nazareth. We must be able to confront that man with a positive and truthful denial who tells us that Jesus never walked the streets of Jerusalem, or climbed the Mount of Olives, or traveled over the land of Galilee, or sailed over the lake of Gennesaret with his disciples, that he never was baptized by John in the Jordan, that he never chose his twelve disciples, that he never taught the great doctrines, never rehearsed the parables attributed him in the New Testament, that he never performed his mighty miracles, never was crucified, and never rose from the dead. We cannot begin this enquiry where Paley, in his masterly evidences, begins it. We cannot set Christ himself or his apostles undergoing sufferings in consequence of their belief in him before the skeptic by way of commencement. He would say, Prove that such a person existed. You're begging the enquiry at once. We must take a very different course. Let me invite you to accompany me in a march or a journey over the bridge of history, which we will conceive as spanning the gulf of time. Not time to come, but time past. Time is the great oblivious gulf in which all man's past deeds, words, and thoughts are alike entombed, save the slight thread of them that memory has recorded. And this slight thread is, in reality, the slender bridge of history over the gulf of time, of which we are speaking, and over which we propose to travel. Our journey will be a retrogressive and retrospective one, and this bridge of which I speak will have to be composed of nineteen arches, representing the nineteen centuries of Christianity. And we will call each of these arches by some distinguishing name, to render it rememberable, and to aid the process of fixing the names of the events and actors of the different centuries in our minds. We shall not need to dwell for any great length of time on the arches we shall first travel over. The strictest and most laborious part of our enquiry will have to come when we are drawing near the other end of the bridge and towards the close of our journey. End of Introduction <laughs>